It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to a Friday, barely. Welcome in Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio, Friday, June 17th, Father's Day weekend. Now, I went a week on Mother's Day week warning you not to forget about Mother's Day. Right? Remember that? I went on and on. Whatever you do, don't forget about Mother's Day. I hope you listen. Father's Day is different. Now you can forget. Nobody really cares about us. We know that. Uh, so I'm not taking a whole week. I'm just taking a Friday, just a small, you know, 30 seconds here. Don't forget your dads. Don't forget your husbands on Father's Day. What? I got to buy my husband something on Father's Day. Well, he bought you something on Mother's Day. Just reciprocate. That's all. Doesn't have to be anything big. You can give him a sleeve of golf balls. Maybe the sleeve that I lost at Old Capitol Golf Club yesterday. Full disclosure, yes, I played. Two o'clock, Old Capitol Golf Club. Nice place. It was so hot. 107 heat index at one point. Full disclosure, I only played 12 holes. Yeah, I'm a wimp. I'm a sissy. I'm soft. Say it all the time. Played the first seven. Got to the eighth tee. I looked at Tony Burke in my cart, and I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to sit a few holes out. So I played some par threes. Par fives all of a sudden became a religious objection. Yeah, par fives, that's a religious objection. I'm not allowed to play par five. But got through the day. Didn't die of heat stroke, so luckily we're here today. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450. 502-384-384, easy for me to say, 1450. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, the Thornton's text line is open as well, 502-414-1450. That's how you get your text read on the show. It is Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000, and that's going to happen all summer long with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter, or you can also earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, many more items using your Refreshing Rewards card. Thornton Summer Cash Bash, not a Refreshing Rewards member, text REWARDS to 80313. That's REWARDS to 80313. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. The Golden, uh, Rick Bosich, WDRB.com, will join me in about 15 minutes. Actually, in about 13 minutes. Um, Mike Pratt, voice of the Wildcats, the uh, an- radio analyst for the Cats, former Kentucky player, former coach, not at Kentucky, but former coach, passed away yesterday at the age of 73. Pratt was on the a Wildcat from 1967 to 1970, played with Dan Issel, uh, Mike Casey, those guys. Uh, and he has been the radio analyst for Kentucky basketball for the last 20 years. Been on this show a few times. Um, just a, a better human being than he ever was a basketball player or coach. And he uh, three-year battle with cancer, finally succumbed to the horrible disease yesterday. We'll talk to Rick Bozich a lot about Mike Pratt. They were close friends. 
Uh, they were colleagues, and um, we'll get some memories and some perspective from Rick in about 12 minutes. Golden State Warriors are the NBA champions. I thought this was going to happen after game four. Game four was the pivotal game. Celtics won game one in San Francisco. Probably shouldn't have. They were down 12 going to the fourth quarter. It was one of those fourth quarters where everything went right for one team and everything went horribly wrong for the other. But then the Celtics had home court advantage. And the the theory was, okay, now if they can just win at home, they'll be fine. They couldn't win game four because Steph Curry scored 43 points. 103-90 was the final in game six last night. Fourth title in eight years for the Warriors. Seventh title overall. Steph Curry finally gets that elusive finals MVP. He has four championships. He was never finals MVP. And for some reason, I guess because you need clicks on uh, social media or you need people to talk about your show, a lot of talking hairdos, a lot of talking heads on TV decided that Steph Curry's legacy would not be complete without a finals MVP. It's, it's kind of silly. Three titles. Durant won two MVPs. Andrea Iguodala won the other. But he won his first title without Kevin Durant. And a lot of people held those number, you know, championships number two and three against Steph because uh, he played with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. All right. Steph Curry was already there, already had a title in his hip pocket. Steph Curry didn't leave to join a team that, to win a championship. He had already won one. He, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they were the cornerstones. And you can also add Iguodala in there too, I guess, because those four guys were on all four of these championship teams. Kevin Durant was only on two of them. He was great. He was fantastic. He tore his Achilles in the finals that they would ultimately lose to Toronto. Tore Achilles in Game 5, and if you remember, the same series against the Toronto Raptors, Clay Thompson tore his ACL. And then Kevin Durant leaves for Brooklyn. Last year, the Warriors didn't, they made the play-in game. Two years ago, they didn't make the playoffs. Clay Thompson followed up a torn ACL with a torn Achilles. He was out two and a half years. He is still not the Clay Thompson that he was before the injuries. I don't know if he ever will be. Draymond Green, 12 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists last night. That was old school Draymond Green. And once he stops complaining to the officials about every call, and he still complains about a lot of calls, but once he decided to play some basketball, he was very, very good. Curry had 34 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. He left no doubt, no doubt that he was the finals MVP. He probably should have won it in the first title when Iguodala won it. Iguodala had a great series, hit some big shots, but Curry probably should have won MVP that year. Now what are the prognos- what, are, what are the talking heads going to say? What are the, all these TV, Stephen A. Smiths and Nick Wright and, and all these guys that want to argue, Kendrick Perkins and J.J. Redick, what are they going to say bad about Steph Curry now? He changed the game. He made it a shooter's game. He showed that a six-foot guy that can't play defense can still be an MVP and star in the NBA. 
He's won four titles. Now he's won he's won regular season MVPs and a Finals MVP. I I look top ten player of all time. You can argue that if you'd like. I don't know who you're pushing out of the top ten list to put Stephen Curry in there. I don't know. Maybe I'll go down that rabbit hole someday with you. But right now, I don't know why the list has to be ten guys. How about you give me the top fifteen of all time? Who are you dropping out of the top 10? Wilt Chamberlain? Wilt Chamberlain is Babe Ruth. Wilt Chamberlain did it before anybody else. Wilt Chamberlain is is looked down upon because he lost a bunch of NBA finals against the Boston Celtics when they had eight, eight all-stars, eight, eight guys that could, could have won MVP. He lost the finals. Okay. Or, or or the conference finals. All right. Well, he still his numbers will never be touched. Some of the things he did, some of the numbers he put up will never be touched. He's Babe Ruth. Right? Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs one year. No no other team hit 60 home runs. Will Chamberlain had those kind of numbers. How do you kick him out? Akeem Olajuwon, arguably the best center of his era, the uh, without question the best defensive center of his era. And that's if you even have him in the top ten. Bird, Magic, oh, Bird only played ten seasons. Okay. Larry Bird was is a top ten player of all time. So is Magic Johnson. There's no argument with Michael. There's no argument with LeBron. There's no argument probably with Kobe. Shaq has to be up there somewhere. So before you say Steph Curry's top 10, who are you going to take out? Because you have to take somebody out if the list is top 10. Andrew Wiggins was great, 18 again last night. He rebounded because the Warriors don't have rebounders. He did. He took it upon himself to say, you know what, I'll go rebound. Draymond Green rebounds a little bit. Kevon Looney got some, but... They needed help inside. He provided help, and he provided scoring, and he's now a number one overall draft pick that is no longer considered a failure because in Minnesota he was considered a flop. He could score. He didn't do anything else, so they never won anything. They never got to the playoffs. He joins the Warriors, and he was an immediate difference maker. Jordan Poole, 15 points off the bench. Now, when you talk about the Celtics, the first question this morning is, where do they go from here? What do they have to do to be better? They've, they said all the right things last night after the game. Oh, we, we got to learn from this. We know what it's like to be in the finals now. We're going to have to come back stronger next year. We understand the Eastern Conference is tough to get through. We got through it in a couple seven-game series this year. Uh, you know, we, We're going to learn from this, and we're going to be better. You better find a point guard. Mark Jackson, or maybe it was Jeff Van Gundy, pointed out last night, they don't have a facilitator. They don't have somebody to bring the ball up the floor, get everybody in the right spot, and run the offense. When they can't get fast break buckets, they struggled last night. They struggled in the last three games of this series. When you can't score in the fast break, you got to score in the half court, and they can't do it. Here's the answer, Damian Lillard. There you go. That's free. I'm giving you that for free. Damian Lillard is in Portland. 
He doesn't want to be in Portland anymore unless they improve. They're, if they don't go out and get some free agents in Portland, he wants out. He is a facilitator. He's also a scorer. Yes, dame time, but he's a facilitator. But there are a lot of guys here that don't want to be where they're at right now. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert in Utah. They lost their coach. They don't get along. They both want out of Utah. Bradley Beal, does he want out of Washington? Who wouldn't want out of Washington? I mean, there are a lot of guys out there that are going to be on the move this summer. Whether it's free agency or they're forcing their way out of a situation they're not happy to be in. Everybody's going to the Knicks, right? Everybody's going to that nightmare. Any Anybody that's a free agent or is uh, a trade commodity, first thing, one of the first teams you hear about, oh, man, he'd be a great fit with the Knicks. Who wouldn't be a great fit with the Knicks? They're terrible. Celtics got 34 out of Jalen Brown, seven rebounds. Jalen Brown in this series was better than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is first team All-NBA. Maybe he shouldn't have been because – you could see in his body language last night and for the past few games, he's not a superstar yet. He's 24 years old. Is he going to be an absolute superstar? Probably. Probably. But he had 13 points last night, seven assists, didn't shoot well, turned the ball over again. Celtics, once again, turned the ball over a lot. Uh, they had 18 turnovers in game five. And if I can quickly pull up the box score, let's see how many turnovers the Celtics had last night. How about 22? 22 turnovers. Double-digit turnovers in the first half. I know, because I was watching. It was a horrible performance. Maturity usually beats immaturity. And that's what happened here. Experience beat lack of experience. Veteran leadership beat youth without any leadership. That's, the, that's what this series came down to. Guys that have been there before, especially the three-headed monster, Steph, Clay, Draymond, against guys that hadn't been there before and were too young to understand the moment, too young to overcome the moment, be better in the moment. Celtics couldn't do it. They got off to a 14-2 lead last night, and they stunk the rest of the night. Awful. And it turns out the Warriors were deeper. I didn't know that. I thought the Celtics bench was much deeper. They've got, uh, you know, guys like Grant Williams. They've got, uh, let's see, let's check this bench. They've got Daniel Tice, who I don't even know if he played. They had Derek White, Peyton Pritchard. Uh, they're supposed to be deeper. They were not deeper. Game five, Warriors outscored Celtics the bench. 31 to 10. Game six, it was 21 to 5. 21 to 5. 31 to 10. So you can talk about the three headed monster all you want. The bench, when the benches were in, the Warriors took advantage. And again, game four was the turning point. Steph scored 43. They win in the Boston Garden. Going back to San Francisco, and you thought, yeah, this, this kind of feels like it's Golden State's. And they, they barely trailed the rest of the series. We do have the odds to win the title next year. <laughs> it's never too early. It's never too early to say, oh, who's going to win it next year? Clippers and Warriors and Celtics and Nets plus 600. The only one surprises me there is the Clippers. The Nets still have Durant and Kyrie. 
Celtics and Warriors win the finals this year, but the Clippers are 6-1. to one. I guess we're expecting uh, Kawhi Leonard to be fully healthy. The Bucks seven and a half to one. I like that number, by the way. Suns are nine to one. The Heat and Sixers fourteen to one. The Heat's going to add somebody this year. Fourteen to one is a great number there. Don't forget they were they won the East. They were number one seeds in the East. They didn't win the East, but they were number one seed. All right, we'll take a break. Rick Bosich on the other side. We'll talk about Mike Pratt and some other things as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Get your text into the show at that number, 414-1450. College World Series starts today. We'll talk about that. Uh, Churchill Downs back to racing today. And uh, the NBA draft, believe it or not, is Thursday. So we'll uh, touch on that before we get to it next week. Right now we go to the Eminem Cartage hotline, bring in Rick Bozich. Fox 41, WDRB.com. Rick, uh, thank you for joining me on short notice. Uh, I know it's been a tough day for you. Uh, the loss of Mike Pratt. How you doing, man? Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it is a tough day. It's a tough day for a lot of people. Uh, family members first on the list, uh, as many, many friends. And then as University of Kentucky family, uh, when you do the things that Mike Pratt did at the University of Kentucky, first as a player and then as a broadcaster, uh, and the way he treated fans when he was out in public, uh, you know, you feel like, I'm not sure for fans, he feels like part of their family too. Uh, and so it's a loss for everybody uh, in, in Big Blue Nation. You hear this a lot when uh, certain people pass away. And he was on the show a couple times here. He was, he was great to me. Um, they were a better person than they were a player or a coach or a broadcaster. And in this case, it's it's unbelievably factual, right? Yeah, I mean, I've listened to several other radio shows this morning and people just calling and texting in. I've looked at uh, stuff on Twitter. Uh, I've gotten, you know, comments on what I wrote about Mike, and uh, everybody loved Mike. And that's because he was a person who deserved to be loved. Uh, he, I met him. I don't. Think, I think I met him when he was an NBA scout. Uh, he was in a Louisville game, and then, you know, he. I really got to know him better after he came back and was on the UK radio network. And um, there was a period of time when there was four or five of us that walked every morning at Seneca Park and Mike would often join us. And uh, just, he he played college basketball, you know, sort of in the era, era when I really became a big fan of college basketball in the late uh, 60s, all the way through 1970. And I didn't grow up around here, but I knew what Kentucky basketball meant. And so I, couldn't get enough of the stories about playing with Issel or playing for Coach Rupp or I always because I was a huge Pete Maravich fan. Uh, his three years overlapped with Pete Maravich, and so I loved hearing his stories about what it was like playing against Pistol Pete. Uh, you can read Rick's article WDRB.com. It is fantastic. A very nice tribute to Mike Pratt. How good of a player was he? I know Issel and Casey. I know they never won a title, but how good of a player was Mike Pratt? He was an excellent player. I mean, he scored 42 points in one game against Notre Dame, I think at Freedom Hall. 
um, and at UK because Mike um, Casey was Kentucky Mister Basketball for Shelby County. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he was probably coming in the guy everybody's most excited about, and then Dan Essel ended up being the all-time UK league scorer. And Mike sometimes got lost in the shuffle, but I think his last year he averaged over 19 points a game, <coughs> and uh, you know. He wasn't the featured guy in the offense. He, his job was to make sure Issel got his shots and that he, he played defense and rebounded, uh, and he did that job well. And then, you know, he, uh, Lloyd Gardner, I talked to him briefly this morning, and he told me how it was critical that the Colonels got Dan Issel here because people, um, you know, uh, uh, us folks with some miles on the odometer remember the old ABA <laughs> oh, yes, we did. NBA times when how how competitive it was uh, to recruit players in the ABA. You know, they, they got guys like Issel and Artis Gilmore and uh, David Thompson, who were some of the best players in college basketball at the time, and that's how four ABA teams got into the NBA. But uh, John Y. Brown and, and the Colonel's ownership were insistent that they got Issel and Pratt and uh, Lloyd told me that after the season ended, I think Kentucky lost to Jacksonville, and that they immediately got those two guys into Louisville and got them in a hotel, and then flew them down to Florida and, and had them hidden away so the NBA couldn't find them. Because <laughs> they oh, that's yeah. good. That's good stuff. Um, it is good stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Not, no, I mean, and that's just how big they were. You know, it's more than just basketball players, but you know. Uh, to the sports culture in the area. And then for them to come back full circle and have their show here in town, that just made it better. And it sort of was like the next iteration of the Joe B. Hall, Denny Crumb show, of where it really wasn't guys. So much of talk radio is, you know, hot takes and arguing UK, UofL and arguments or IU, UofL or UK arguments and all that stuff. But those guys were just, it's like you sat down on a park bench and listened in the conversation for those two guys. And it was it was it was refreshing. People don't remember how great the ABA was because I mean, Doctor J was Dr. in the J, ABA. I forgot it. Yeah, George Dr. McGinnis, um, George Gervin, Louis Dampier. I mean, it, the ABA was incredible. Uh, Ron did, Boone. Did he get Bob Nedelicki? I mean, oh, on and on and you could go on and on and on. Roger Brown was another one. Uh, you know, Maurice Lucas. Oh, Lucas. Uh, I forgot that Pratt was a Kentucky Colonel, and I had, my my mother had season tickets. We went. I went to probably you know thirty games a year, and I forgot Pratt was on those teams with us. So I, because he came off the bench, I mean, I was Bert, I was Bird Averett, Louis Dampier, uh, Will Jones. You know, I loved all those guys, but I forgot Pratt was on that team. Yeah, he was. And Lloyd also told me that story, and that was the first time I'm sure in his life. They came off the bench, and you know he embraced that. I think he mentioned it was with uh, uh, Les Hunter and, and another he, uh, Walt Simon. I think it was they embraced their bench role and called themselves the Goon Squad, <laughs> not because they were trying to like you know hurt people or play super physical, just because they gave themselves an identity and and being if they're going to play off the bench, they're going to be the best bench players in the league. Talking to Rick Bozich, WDRV.com, about the passing yesterday of Mike Pratt. Uh, I found in your art, your uh, tribute article there very interesting that when uh, Tubby Smith left, Mike Pratt went to bat for John Calipari before Billy Gillespie got hired, right? Yeah, he was a Cal guy. I didn't know that. And, uh, he was fine with Gillespie once he was here because whoever the U.K. coach was, he was going to support him. But 
that was the period when we were, you know, our, our lunch group was meeting quite a bit. And I remember we'd, we'd often eat at, at Stevens and Stevens. And Mike, you know, because he traveled with the team, saw some stuff that was going on under, under Gillespie that concerned him. Uh, and, you know, I, I got the sense early on that, you know, even though it was only two years in the Billy Gillespie uh, era, that he wasn't on the greatest ground. And once um, once they decided to make a move, it was I, I knew that Mike was in Cal's corner, and I think Cal was savvy enough to realize that Mike uh, was a guy that Mitch Barnhart and some other people at UK would listen to. And so I, I think my, uh, Mike was critical in, in making sure that the second time around uh, they got it right, they got John Calipari in here. And the fact that he was on the private plane and, and flew to the hotel in Chicago with Dr. Todd and, and Mitch Barnhart uh, to interview John Calipari, you know, confirmed that. Do you have a uh, Rupp Pratt story that maybe he passed along to you that you uh, feel comfortable telling us? Or something, uh, again, this is a family audience, of course. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I just always asked him, because he grew up in Dayton. Right. And, you know, whenever I would talk to Mike, he would always ask me, like, you know, what's going on at, you know, Louisville, or what's going on at IU, or what's going on at Purdue, or whatever, because he, being in, in Dayton, that was more of a, and I know there was a lot of UK fans there, because there was a, I think people got transferred there from the IBM uh, factory in Lexington. Dayton's always been a UK hotbed. But Dayton Flyers were good back in the time. Donnie May, and they had some other good players who were good. They went to Final Fours. And Ohio State was also really good. And I was like, you know, why would you go to Kentucky? And he goes, you know, once once Adolph Rupp told you that he wanted you, you weren't going to say no to that. And uh, he, it was, you know, the best decision he made in his life because he came down there and became a Wildcat forever. And uh, he was he had a great appreciation for the tradition of college basketball and Kentucky had a great tradition, and that that was the thing that uh, that he um, always talked about. Talking to Rick Bozich, WDRB.com, we shift gears here uh, a little bit, stick with college basketball. Is this a big day for Louisville uh, basketball because of the IARP hearing that starts today, the panel meets today? And uh, yeah. if so, when are we going to hear something? Do we have any idea when – how long this process will take? Because it seems like everything takes forever. Yeah, I mean, what are we? Almost still be five years in September <laughs> since this all began, um, and they created the IARP to speed up the process, and that really hasn't happened. And um, it is a big day um, because you know I don't know who talks first, the NCA or Louisville, because they're appearing in front of this panel, which is not NCA people. Uh, it, it's people really most of them are outside college athletics uh in los angeles we believe uh one of the frustrating parts about this to me is just the way they keep it so mysterious and have a lockdown in information i don't really understand why it has to be this uh closed but um the only case the iarp has decided i believe they took 132 days after the hearing. Wow. So I would hope we would have, that's a little bit more than four months, so I would hope there would be some kind of resolution by late to, you know, mid to late October, but 
uh, hopefully before the season starts, because Louisville deserves that. I mean, that, this thing has been, whatever you believe the penalty should be, you know, everybody can disagree on that, but what they do deserve is an answer so they can move forward. They've, they've moved forward with athletic directors, coaches, the entire roster, yeah. and they need to move be able to move forward with what the penalty is. And U of L, I'm assuming, has hope that there won't be any, if uh, maybe a slight penalty slap on the wrist because all of those people are now gone. Yeah, you would hope so. Um, what is it? They've been that's, from, but that's too know, logical, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the only thing that I would say that makes me hesitant to say there would be uh, no penalty or a middle minimum minimal penalty is that. You know their status as having just gotten off NCAA probation, but we don't know. There's not enough of a track record from this group to know what their views are on that. So I think they make a valid case in terms of you know that the coach, their two head coaches removed, their two athletic directors removed, uh, and it's time for them to move on. They they have suffered under the last four and a half years. There's no doubt it's hurt Louisville basketball because of. Uh, it's hurt them in recruiting. It's hurt them in attendance. It's hurt them in you know the results of the team. So it's not like they haven't been punished already. But I'm hesitant to say that the you know the IARP will be lenient because, as I said, they have no track record. Although the, the the ruling they did give NC State, and that was I believe for giving Dennis Smith forty thousand dollars, was only a five thousand dollar fine and uh, you know probation, not an NCAA tournament ban. And the penalties went to where they deserved to go, which was Mark Gottfried, who was now coaching at Cal State Northridge, yeah. uh, got one-year show cause, and Orlando Early, assistant coach who was involved, got a six-year show cause. So I, I, that's that seems to be a good indicator for Louisville. Uh, all right, I know you love baseball. Uh, are the Yankees as good as forty-seven and sixteen? Seems to seems to me they they might just be. My, I've watched them, you know, bludgeon the White Sox uh, and, and a bunch of other teams. My only hesitation to say they are that good is um, I'm not totally sold on their pitching. I know that Cole is good and uh, Jamison Talon's been good and uh, the little guy. The Cortez. Cortez. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. He's having a career year. Clay Holmes has stepped up as their new closer because Chapman's been – not good and injured. They they did lose a former Louisville guy, Chad Green, who was a very important seventh or eighth inning guy. Um, they're the best team in baseball this year, but as we all know, that doesn't guarantee you're going to win in October because anything can happen in a short series. And you know you got the way guys are getting injured in baseball this season. Uh, that's the most important thing they need to do is get healthy and stay healthy by the time the games really count. They're on pace to break Seattle's record for most wins in a regular season, but as you remember, Seattle didn't even go to the World Series. So, Yeah, I think did they win one playoff round and lose the second yeah, one. I mean, yeah. they won, they won, they're going to win. The Yankees are on pace to win more than 116. They're, they're right at it. They're right wow. on it. Yeah. So, that's that, impressive. That I is mean, impressive. I think they won. They, I mean, they win high-scoring games. They win low-scoring games. Um, it, it's a. I've saw several games when you know, Judge homers and then Stanton homers and then Rizzo homers and <laughs> yep. then Gallo homers and Donaldson, you know, homers. Nobody so they, hits behind got, the runner in New York. They've got a fearsome lineup. There's no doubt about that. But 
Uh, I'm trying to think of who, you know, the Dodgers could beat them with their pitching if they can get their guys healthy. Um, I don't know about the American League. They seem to be, Tampa's been an issue for the Yankees in the past, but this year they seem to be handling them. They just so swept they, them, yeah. Just swept them yeah, again. Swept. All right, how about your White Sox? Are they going to make a move here? They're five games out, one under 500. You know, you're chasing Cleveland and Minnesota, which doesn't seem daunting. Uh, yeah, I think they can make a move if they can get healthy uh, because the, the good thing about the White Sox is they're done playing the Yankees, they're done playing the Rays, they're done playing the, <laughs> the Red Sox. Uh, I think they've only got one more series left with the Blue Jays. Um, they still haven't played the Astros, which starts tonight. So they got to get Tim Anderson back. Tim Anderson's a key. Yeah, he's been down in Charlotte and playing the last three or four days. They got to get him back. They got to get Grandal back as the catcher, and they got to get. Uh, I mean, Kopak got hurt his last start, so they got to get him back. But um, I don't think they'll be healthy all year. They keep having so many guys go. And Liam Hendricks is on the. Their closers on the IL now. But I think the Twins are catchable and the Indians are catchable. But it'll it'll come down to the last couple weeks. Apple TV tonight. Are you going to be able to watch the game? I can watch, but I won't listen. I will be listening to the radio broadcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do like you. In, uh, like UK fans do with games that are on TV, they turn off the sound to listen to the radio. Absolutely. Well, Rick, thanks for your time on short notice today. Really love the uh, tribute article uh, about Mike Pratt and appreciate your time as always. Thank you, brother. Thank you, John. It was my uh, my pleasure and uh, I'm happy to, I'm thankful you asked me to talk about Mike. Rick Bozich, Fox 41, WDRB.com. We will take a break. Come back. College World Series starts today. Draft, NBA draft is Thursday. And a couple other news and notes to talk about as well. U.S. Open update. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment of the week. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open. 384-1450. Last chance to get in on the Eminem Cartage Hotline. And be a part of the show. Thorns text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member gets ten grand. That happens all summer long with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. All you got to do is open your Refreshing Rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon, and you are entered to win that $10,000 a week. That's not the only thing you can do. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, hot dogs, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, text REWARDS to 80313. By the way, it's not a day for Shady Rays. Yikes. I have some storms here. I'm uh, cozy in the studio right now, so hopefully I'll be able to get to my car and get home uh, safely. But you don't need your Shady Rays today, but let me tell you about them. Shady Rays is an independent American-owned company started in Kentucky, changing the way you wear sunglasses. Shady Rays offers an industry-best combination of fit, style, and performance without the big big brand price tag. And also, there's the lost and broken replacement warranty, the craziest warranty In all of eyewear, if you lose them, break them, you uh, throw them down to the ground and smash them after you hit one into the woods on 14 like I did yesterday at Old Capitol, they will replace those with a brand new pair. 
Also, they provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. Donated over 20 million meals to date. Look good in your shades. Feel good by making an impact. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair. Return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, 25% off so you can try them out, see what they're all about. And uh, you just go to ShadyRays.com, put in Big X at the uh, at the checkout. And there you go, ShadyRays.com. Get you some sunglasses because guess what? Next week it's going to be 100 degrees and sunny again. Yay! I know we're happy about that. All right, um, U.S. Open update. Scotty Scheffler's bounced back. Shot a uh, three under today, a 67. He is tied for the lead at three under. Nick Hardy, unknown Nick Hardy, also done for the day. He's three under. There are four other guys at three under. Uh, I'm never going to get this guy's name right. Callum Terran is three under through one today, and three other guys haven't started their rounds. Rory McIlroy, Joel Damon, and David Lingmurth. Those guys uh, all set to tee off a little later this afternoon. There is supposed to be some weather going through in the Boston area at Brookline. Should soften up the course. So maybe these guys starting later in the day have a little bit of an advantage today. Justin Thomas, by the way, is plus two. That is right on the cut line. He's got two holes to play. He struggled open with double bogey bogey today on 10 and 11 and uh, has struggled through that round. He's on the eighth hole right now, which is a par five. So uh, hopefully uh, JT can get himself a birdie there on par five. Or did he already do that? Let's see. I uh, can't find him. Oh, there he is. Nope, he did not. He parred number eight. So he needs a par on number nine. Plus two right now is the cut line. Uh, I think if JT wants to be safe, he needs to go out and get another uh, – Get another birdie here on number nine. But uh, there's your leaderboard. Scheffler in after two rounds at three under. And McElroy started getting ready to start his round in about a half hour. He's three under as well. Those are the big names right there at the top of the leaderboard as of right now. College World Series starts today. ESPN, 2 o'clock. It'll be Oklahoma against Texas A&M. And then 7 o'clock, Notre Dame against Texas. Tomorrow, 2 o'clock, Arkansas versus uh, second-seeded Stanford, and the favorite, according to the seeds, to win this thing, the number two-seeded Cardinal. And 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Ole Miss and Auburn, SEC matchup. Four of the eight teams in the College World Series are SEC teams, and another two are going to join the SEC. Oklahoma and Texas will be SEC members within three years. So uh, SEC, a lot of Southeastern Conference flavor in the uh, – College World Series. I'm picking Ole Miss. Uh, no real reason. I just they're they're unseated. They're not uh, favored to win, but they're fun to watch. They hit a lot of. They got a, one dude that hits a lot of dingers, and uh, eh, they're just a fun team to watch. Uh, Tony Burke picked uh, is pulling for Notre Dame. He picked Texas A&M yesterday. Yeah, we got a slight little, slight little game there. Uh, we're gonna play. All right, uh, bats lose last night at Durham ten to two, but you can listen to the. Last three games of this road trip tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, 6.35 tonight and tomorrow with a 6.05 pregame with Nick Curran. And then a really bizarre Father's Day, 5.05 start, 4.35 pregame on Sunday right here on the Big X. I guess uh, Durham wanted to keep the bats 
in the uh, state of North Carolina as long as they possibly could. Bats return home next Tuesday as the Iowa Cubs come to town. We'll uh, talk about that more next week. A lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff. Star Wars night. They got Masher night on Friday night uh, where they uh, wear the Louisville Mashers uniforms. Uh, that's always a fun night. That's always a very bourbony night. You know, a lot of bourbon around the ballpark on Masher night. Uh, baseball yesterday, Yankees. I was talking with Rick about this. They beat Tampa Bay two to one. The one, and I haven't looked this up, but it feels like the Yankees play win a lot of one run games. I'm going to do the numbers on this over the weekend. They uh, got a uh, Anthony Rizzo walk off homer yesterday to win two to one. Over the Rays, they swept that series. They've won seven in a row. They've won 14 home games in a row, have the Yankees. Uh, now they go on the road tonight at Toronto to start a, a three-game set. But, uh, look, they're 47-16. and 16. They are on pace, I believe, to eclipse the 116-win season that the Seattle Mariners had back in the early 2000s. But as I mentioned, you can win as many games you want in the uh, regular season. You know, if you win 116 games and don't go to the World Series like Seattle did, you're forgotten. Um, the Yankees hit a lot of homers. They've gotten really, really good pitching so far. So there you go. My Cubs lost again 6-4. to four. Um, My Braves fans are really excited about this weekend series with the Cubs because they think it's going to be three easy wins. They're probably right. You know, I'm not going to say they're not right. They're, they're probably right on to something there. Uh, the Cubs have lost three straight to the Padres. They can't score. They give up a lot of runs. The Braves have won 14 games in a row going into this series. Now, they got the Cubs uh, for three, and then Atlanta hosts San Francisco. Remember, you remember in Moneyball, I know you remember, 20 wins in a row for those Oakland Athletics. Can the Braves get there? Now, they've won these games, as was pointed out to me, against Colorado, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Oakland. They haven't been playing the top tier um, of the league. But you know what? 14 in a row is 14 in a row. I don't care how you slice it. Texas scored three in the ninth yesterday, beat Detroit 3-1 to one on a three-run single in the uh, bottom of the uh, in the top of the ninth inning. The Mets came back from a 4-1 deficit to beat Milwaukee 5-4. to four. The Mets, by the way, are 42-23 and 23 in the National League East. I thought Buck Showalter was a really good hire with the New York Mets. Most of these teams now are hiring younger managers that uh, can relate to the players. I think that's a little bit overrated. Buck Showalter's not a younger manager. He's not going to sit in the clubhouse and play cards with his players and and you know talk about current events. He is going to manage his ball club, and he's going to put them in a position to win. He was a good manager in Baltimore with bad players. He was a good manager with the Yankees when they were struggling with uh, personnel issues. He's a good manager. And he's got guys that are playing hard for him, guys that are getting things done. Francisco Lindor has been really good. Pete Alonso has been great. The pitching, even without Max Scherzer and uh, Jacob deGrom, has been really, really good. They're hanging on, hoping to get those guys back, but hanging on with a 42-23 and 23 record. That's pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, came back, as I mentioned, to beat Milwaukee last night. They'll start a three-game set at home against the Miami Marlins uh, tonight. 
Reds fans, uh, you didn't lose yesterday because the Reds had a day off. But they're back in action tonight, back at home, 640. Milwaukee comes to town in a divisional matchup. Eric Lauer, 5 and 2, 336 ERA, goes against Hunter Green for the Reds, 3 and 7, 510. The Reds are hard to watch, but Hunter Green's easy to watch. So when he's pitching, I'm I'll usually tune in for a few innings. He'll throw some 100 102 mile an hour cheese in there that uh freezes hitters. He'll he'll mess with them with a curveball. He's still learning, he's still young. That's why he's 3 and 7. That's why his ERA is 5.10. He was part of a no-hitter this year in a game the Reds lost one to nothing, believe it or not. Um, so Hunter Green on the mound tonight for Cincinnati, a reason to tune in. National League West, guess what? The Dodgers are not in first place. Now, I understand the Padres have been beating up on my Cubs, but the Dodgers, uh, who didn't play last night, have struggled. They got Cleveland coming in for three uh, this weekend. Padres are 41 and 24. Dodgers are 39 and 23 in second place. And oh, by the way, the San Francisco Giants are looming at 35 and 27, just four and a half games out. Padres with a half game lead over the Dodgers. San Diego goes to Colorado for a set this weekend. And I mentioned the Dodgers are hosting Cleveland in an interleague series. Uh, Dodgers, Angels were my World Series. I'm still on the Dodgers. I still think they're the best team in the National League. But the Braves have looked really good lately. I, I understand I said bad competition, but they've looked really good lately. Matt Olson for Freddie Freeman, they really haven't lost a beat. Ronald Acuna's back. He seems to be fully healthy. They will miss Ozzy Albies at second base with that broken foot for a while. But, uh, boy, this National League, it seems to me to be a three-horse race. And, I, you know, no disrespect to the uh, Friars, to the San Diego Padres. But I think it's all about Dodgers, Braves, Mets at this point. Um, I'd love to see a Subway Series, Mets-Yankees. Those teams are a combined, uh, and let me do the math here real quick, 89 and 39, those two teams. 50 games over 500 combined. That's impressive. That's impressive. Um, what are my Cubs are so bad. How bad are my Cubs? 23 and 40. They're tied with the Reds now. Oh my gosh. Oh, I got too many Reds fans around me for this. That's uh that's not good. Cubs Braves today. Yeah, you know who you don't want to play when you're playing poorly? Somebody good. Cubs playing the Braves, Reds playing the Brewers. All right, I think that's kind of a wash. They're both at home, both against a better competition. Both probably going to lose two out of three this weekend. Cubs, you know, Cubs might lose three out of three. Who knows? Uh, thanks to Rick Bozich. Listen, Mike Pratt was a super guy, friend of this show, always had a smile and a handshake, passed away yesterday at 73. I really appreciate Rick coming on uh, and talk about, talking about it. I don't know what we're going to talk about Monday. There's no NBA anymore. Who knows? Maybe pop culture. Thanks for listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Act.